Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. Your pandemic baseball playoff races are getting super tight home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites. And you can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. My name is Sarah Sanchez. I create ESPN Sunday Night Beat and Go baseball cards because, let's face it, A-Rod is terrible, and write about the Cubs for Bleed Cubby Blue. Hi guys, Andy Cruz Vanasek, and I'm very excited to be talking baseball on this Monday where we are less than a week away from playoffs. It feels like it's gone super fast. Like way too fast. Like I I, I feel like we blinked and, and this was this is what we got. Yeah, this this whole 60 game season thing is very, very weird. Uh if you are all caught up on our show you know that last time we were on cloud nine because the cubs were riding a four game winning streak as we were recording well they did manage to win one of the games against the twins but that five game winning streak quickly turned into a two game losing streak and can i just say that like the fact that the cubs only scored two runs (laughs) two count them one two in 27 innings against the twins i I can't believe they won a game I mean, one would think that wouldn't be an option with two runs, but I also want to go ahead and apologize for what I said when I was optimistic, because I know that (laughs) I was probably a little over the top and thinking about it now and looking at some of these numbers from this series, like, yeah, that was maybe a little much. So I apologize if I was extremely annoying and way too overly optimistic, but now it's time to come back down to earth and and, and hash this out and figure out what we're going to do about the next week of baseball. Right. So the Cubs did manage to eke out one win over the Twins. I think they looked pretty terrible this series, all things considered. You know, we talked in the last show about whether or not the Cubs could summon playoff baseball energy, that the Twins were the first like playoff bound team that they had seen in a while. And we really wanted to know how they would react to that. And Andy, it kind of looks not good. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to lie. This was really, really a tough series to, to stomach because yeah, you and I had really brought it to people's attention that this was um, a team that was bound for the playoffs. Like I reminded everybody, it's not not time to hit panic mode just yet because we do only see one American League team. But to be reminded, we have not seen a whole lot of playoff caliber teams recently. So this was kind of our first test in a while. And towards, you know, when we're getting closer to the actual playoffs, you want to be playing your best baseball right now. You want to be riding a high wave into that playoff. So any kind of momentum you can get. And I'm going to be blatantly honest here. We had zero momentum from this series. We had last night watching them on a national stage. I was a little heartbroken. I'm not going to lie because they just looked like there was no energy. There was no enthusiasm. There was no nothing. Like when they panned into the dugout, you could definitely see looks of frustration. You know, it's just tough to watch your team do that when just a couple of days ago, we were a completely different team. Everybody's dancing around, having a good time, making things happen on the bases, making huge plays defensively. It just, you know, yeah, there's going to be highs, there are going to be lows. You just would rather not have those lows be a week before playoffs start. No, 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 you would not like to have those lows be a week before playoffs start. Um, In related news, so game two was a blowout. It was not very fun. But in fairness, the bullpen was really what got blown out. Alec Mills got hit hard, but and that's probably why Ross pulled him early. I would have pulled him early, too. But he, he didn't give up 
five runs. <laughs> that was the bullpen. In related news, Joss Osich is in South Bend now because that's where you go when you're giving up tons of runs. Uh, Sunday night baseball, you know, Andy, you alluded to the national stage thing, but can I just say for a second, man, that broadcast team is terrible. I, so, you know, we make ESPN Sunday night baseball bingo just kind of as a joke so people can follow around, follow along at home. I was listening to that broadcast more closely than I usually do as a result because I was trying to like call the card. First of all, Albert Almora Jr. is not named Almonte. I don't even know where A-Rod got that. That was like the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Second, if I was a Twins fan who waited 10 years to see my team on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball and I tuned in to listen to a broadcast team that spent more time on the Yankees (laughs) than they did on the Twins, I would have been furious. Absolutely furious. I don't know. What did you think watching... Matt Viscursion and Alex Rodriguez last night. I mean, I've really had to like remind myself that this was a serious broadcast of an of a baseball game because there was a couple times when I was just like laughing. Like this is embarrassing. At least it was somewhat tolerable when you had Jessica Mendoza in there because uh, you know, she has her own critics, but I absolutely love her. I've followed her since her college days playing softball. She is very knowledgeable. She brings a lot to the table. And, you know, she was just, I thought was way more pleasant and way more um, realistic and down to earth than the other two clowns that we listened to. Um, And last night was no different. I mean, it was like, I literally at one point in time was like, I would almost rather, and oh my gosh, please don't kill me for saying this. I would almost rather listen to like Joe Buck than this, these guys, because, and Joe Buck's not bad. He just can get annoying, but these guys were just, oh my goodness, come on. Like, Thank you, thank you, thank you for making the bingo card. Everybody thanks Sarah because that was what kept me going. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh my, this is just torture. Like, it was bad enough the baseball we were watching, but then have to listen to these two guys. It was just, oh my goodness. It was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah, I agree with you that Jess Mendoza made that booth a little bit more tolerable. Now it's just awful. I also agree with you though. I would rather listen to Joe Buck. He at least understands baseball and wants to talk about it. How do you have Ian Happ mic'd up for like half an inning and all you ask him about is his handicap and his golf game? And if he'll come on your podcast. I mean, how many times could we try and force him being a football fan out of him too? Like he was not, (laughs) yes, he's from the Pittsburgh area. He's not even a Steelers fan. Okay, get over it. Like move on. Like... (laughs) I get that you're trying to show the personal side of of players, which I adore, but there is a better way to go about it just because that seems to be relevant right this second since there's football on. There's other ways. I mean, you know, I don't know. There was, to me, there was a lot more um, baseball questions that you could have asked him that would have opened up his personality a little bit more than trying to force him to be a football fan. Totally. And he's a Browns fan for the record and apparently had to explain that to A-Rod because <laughs> reasons. Um, the one thing that happened in this game that I thought was really interesting, and they did try to ask Hap about this, but to his credit, Hap was not about to answer these questions, was the benching of Kyle Schwarber, which, look, he totally misplayed the ball that Nick Cave hit into left field. There should never be a triple hit into left field. At Wrigley, it was ugly. It was not great. But I... I don't know. I was kind of stunned to see him get benched over that. Not because I thought that it was a 
great play or like a highlight reel thing or anything. And I didn't even think he particularly like ran after it that hard, but I also didn't think he loafed it. I thought that unless something was said and it's possible something was said between David Ross and Kyle Schwarber after the game or Kyle Schwarber's body language in the dugout or something, it just seemed like an over the top reaction to a misplayed baseball that was kind of difficult because of the way it rattled around the left corner. Well, I'm going to be real honest with how I felt about this. It was really tough to see Schwarber have the look on his face that he had. If anybody saw that when they panned to him over about 500 times um, after it happened, it it was tough to see that because clearly he's upset. Clearly he, he knows that, you know, it's going to be, you, you, you can just tell that there's tension. And I will say that um, I saw somebody else mention this on Twitter and I, I agreed with this. And I think I had kind of mentioned something along the same lines. I think David Ross has kind of hit like the serious point of the season for him. Like there's no more goofing off. There's no more joking around. There's no more like fun, playful conversation. If you remember back at the beginning of the 60 game season, we had a couple games on Sunday night baseball right off the bat. And David Ross used to work with this crew. He used to come in on Sunday night baseball, like a year, two years, two seasons ago um, when he was not coaching and not playing. And he was a really great personality, very playful, very fun, joked around, had great stories, great personality. And if you noticed when they went to his in-game interview right after Schwarbs went out, he was not having it. Like he was not like, Hey guys, what's up? Like he was like, Hey, you know, yeah, yeah. It was very short with some of his answers was not smiling, was not, he was very serious. You can just tell that he's kind of opened up another level to his managing And I appreciate that. I'm actually, I feel like he was making an example out of Schwarber because I think he's kind of starting to see that maybe a couple guys, I don't want to say are being lackadaisical. I couldn't even name a couple guys that are being lackadaisical, but I think in his mind, he's probably like setting the bar right now. Like, this is what I expect from you guys. And if you can't go out there and give me that, then this is a problem. There's somebody else that can take your spot. I don't. I agree with you that yes, this way I feel like it was a little bit over the top, but I also feel like he has some pressure on him to do something different than what's been done the past couple of seasons in this situation. Yes, we are running into the same offensive issues that we've had the last how many seasons? Like since 2016, basically. And yeah, we cannot expect, cannot do the same thing and expect different results. So here he is mixing it up. I don't know. We'll get to this because we're, we're now going to, you know, we'll talk about the pirates in the second half of the show, but he's mixing up the lineup for today. I mean, it's all over the place and we'll talk about that, but he's doing things differently because he knows he has to, he knows that things are not going to change. If he continues to let people, I wouldn't even say that he dogged it. I wouldn't even say Schwarber dogged it, but yeah, you know, the ball was played off the wall and he wasn't exactly full speed sprinting after it. Like I've seen other guys do. So that might've rubbed him the wrong way and there might've been an exchange and then that would have been the end of it. But I appreciate that he is doing something different. He's taking a stand. He's putting accountability first and he's saying, guys, I expect more from you. And if you're not going to give it to me, there's somebody else that will. So I actually loved this move. It sucked because we love Schwarber and we hate to see him look so bummed. And we know that, you know, he's a guy that has struggled both offensively and defensively the past couple weeks. And it's been tough to watch. You know, he's not the only one, but he is one that you want to see produce and he's just not. So yeah, I think that 
David Ross made an example out of him, and th- and that's what we saw happen last night. I I agree with all of that in terms of the example stuff, and and Schwarber has certainly been struggling r- lately. I I think I was more just stunned at the at the. It seemed like such a public rebuke for something that didn't strike me as egregious that I, I wasn't used to it. I, I will say that you're absolutely right that Kyle Schwarber has been struggling at the plate. I mean, I ran the who's hot numbers that we'll talk about in the second half of the show, but I will just tell you off the top that Schwarber is not hot. He has 44 plate appearances in the last two weeks. His WRC plus is negative 13, which means he's 113% worse than the average player at driving in runs. His slash line over that time is 054-205-054. So he clearly has some things to work out. And I think I imagine that whatever happened after that, a triple to the left field corner at Wrigley, I just can't even. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, and that, that, they they totally like beat that horse for so long because they just kept going. How many have you seen? How many have you seen? And then that led into Ian Happ talking about his um, going for the cycle. That one um, video clip that they right. ended up coming up with, which was fantastic, by the way. That was good stuff. But just to just to kind of reiterate a little bit more on Kyle Schwarber too, I'm looking at some numbers for him for the past two weeks. He has taken seven walks, which is good for him, but he's literally had two hits in 44 plate appearances and both of his hits were singles. So it's not like, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to sound hopeless, but it's not like he's at least like starting to come back to like crushing the ball, like two singles. So, you know, and 13 strikeouts, he's batting 54, like over the past two weeks. This is, this is alarming. You know, this is definitely an issue. And if you're not going to do the things that you should be doing on either side of the ball, then yeah, you might need to sit a game or two and and figure it out. And you hate to see it happen to somebody like Schwarber, but you know, especially because you know, David Ross and Kyle Schwarber are friends and that conversation couldn't have been easy, but he's also a manager and that's his responsibility right now. When he's on the field, David Ross has to be a manager. There's no relationships out there. It is manager player. And you know, right now these games are, I don't want to say must win. I hate using that term, but they're definitely, you need to be winning games right now. You need to be gaining momentum. You need to be finding your role as whether or not, you know, you're going to go out there and and just move people around the bases. If you're going to, you know, hit in some RBIs, if you're going to, you know, get your slugging percentage back up, whatever the situation is, you need to be figuring that out. And when you are striking out as much as some of these guys are striking out, you're not hitting the ball. You're not making good contact. Whatever the situation is, it's got to be figured out. And David Ross is is doing what he thinks he needs to do. So, yeah, I agree, though. The stage was, I think, a, a little bit maybe dramatic to do it on ESPN on Sunday night and at the point in the game at which he did it. But, you know, you got to start somewhere. I agree. I think that part of what made it feel dramatic is that it was like the third inning. And, you know, he knows that he's going to get asked about this. He knows that he's got this interview coming up. So anyway, uh, Schwarber is back in the lineup tonight hitting cleanup. So hopefully he's going to break out of it against some pirate pirates pitching. Uh, the second thing I want to talk about from ESPN Sunday Night Baseball, which I just this was me sitting on my couch. I almost tweeted about this last night and I decided Cubs Nation was sad enough and they didn't need me tweeting about this. I was at the David Bodie game. I remember sitting in section like 
well, like it was 226. I don't know what it's called now, but I remember sitting there, fingers crossed, pacing, shaking, and thinking, they've got this. They've got this. Defoe just misplayed that ball. Wilson just got hit. Like Amora, like this is great. They've got this. The bases are loaded. They've got this, right? And last night's setup was almost exactly the same. It was Wilson beating out a drop strike three to get on base in this weird way. And then a player gets hit and you're like, oh, they're going to do this. They've got this. And I was sitting on my couch. I was not pacing. I didn't have my fingers crossed. I just felt like they weren't going to do it. I, I don't know how to explain it. Like I, the, for two setups that were so similar to be so convinced in 2018 that David Bodie was going to make something happen. And last night to just know that Nico, who's been great, by the way, was going to strike out was just disheartening. Well, and not even like it was a half swing strikeout. Like it wasn't even like, Swing, yeah, yeah, it wasn't even like he got a full swing on it or it was like a real like nasty strike three, you know, him watching a nasty pitch. Nothing like that. It was a half swing. It was so anticlimactic. And it was, yeah, it definitely was one of those things where you're like, you know, can we just, can we, can we catch a break here? Like even just maybe a couple runs, just something to get us going. And that half swing was just like, ah, it just felt like, yep, this is the way this series goes. I mean, you know, you just kind of want it over with and, and move on. And obviously we're, we're going into a series against a team that better not decide to start playing spoiler now. So <laughs> it's, um, you know, it was just, it was a really tough situation. They even brought it up and I was like, oh, for, of course, of course you're going to give me that little glimmer of hope only to have it ripped away by a half swing, you know? So it, it, I don't know. It's just one of those things. I can't imagine like being there and experiencing that in person because I already know what it felt like to watch it on TV and then to like have, you know, a little hope that maybe that could happen again. It just, yeah, it just wasn't meant to be. This was a rough series one that I'd kind of like to forget about and um, hope that it really, that, that they can forget about it, that it really doesn't affect them moving forward and finishing out the season. I hope so too. I, I would like to see them put this twin series behind them and they get another shot against a playoff team. The last three games of the season, when they head down to the South side to face the white Sox. the last thing I want to talk about before we take a quick break and then preview this Cubs pirate series that is going to kick off in just a few hours in Pittsburgh is one thing that the ESPN crew kept bringing up last night that I actually had not looked up before. Chris Bryant has five RBIs this year. Five. Five. Total. That's the guy that's been batting second for like the entire year, except for when he was batting first, but like five. Yeah. What? Total. Yeah. Total. That is 39 games, five RBIs. Listen, uh, that is not acceptable. (laughs) It's just not. It's not acceptable, not for anybody in this lineup, and definitely not for Chris Bryant. Five RBIs is like, I mean, that's rough. That's really rough. I will say, um, in, in pulling some of his numbers for the last two weeks, because I was hopeful that we would get a new mix of guys in, in those top slots for the last two weeks, hoping that they're going to warm up a little bit. He is number two in batting average. So over the last two weeks, he's batting 244, which is much better than his like <laughs> sub 200 <laughs> for the season. So, 
Um, his strikeouts are still really high. Like he's got 16 strikeouts and that's a lot for him. He's just, I just don't feel like he's seeing the ball very well and five RBIs. I mean, that's definitely just an added detail to, to this madness for, for a Chris Bryant 2020 season. Um, I mean, I, we are totally a broken record about this guy because we really would just like to see him back to the Chris Bryant that we, we know him as, and it's, kind of scary because I I don't want to be overly dramatic here. I feel like I was way too optimistic the last podcast, but I feel like now I'm starting to question who is the real Chris Bryant. Right. Me too. I mean, I, I actually, I I apologize for laughing a second ago when you said that he was, had the second highest batting average at 244. I'm like, (laughs) God, that's awful. Like what, what is the matter with this team? Like, can anybody all a third of the time. I get it. Like they're three true outcome team, but that is ridiculous. Um, yeah, I've been wondering this too. I look the rookie of the year dude and the MVP dude has not been there for like two and a half seasons. I would agree. Yep. I would agree. He's going to make $20 million ish or more in arbitration next year to do what? Yeah. I agree. I almost, I almost lost it last night. We were, you know, on Twitter just doing our thing, and Joe Cagallan, friend of the show, had um, was in a back and forth about KB and like what his future with the team was or whatever. Somebody suggested trading him, which look, he doesn't, he has no trade value right now. <laughs> like nobody wants that salary at with five RBIs, people. And <laughs> the suggestion was made that you could move KB if you packaged somebody like Wilson Contreras or Miguel Amaya with him. And I'm like, no, under no circumstances are we going to give up talent that is actually improving and helping this team to ship off KB? Like, no offense, and I'm not saying we should do this, but it would be better to non-tender him and just be like, look, you're not worth $20 million. I'm not going to lie. I saw that exchange and I was like, uh, you guys right now, Sarah's idea is not that crazy. (laughs) Like, like I know, you know, and listen, I am definitely not saying this for shock value at all, but let's be realistic. Like I saw somebody else say this and this is where I got this idea. And I wish I need to start writing down where, who says what on, on Twitter, because I I always want to give people their due credit. Somebody said, you have to treat Chris Bryant, like how he is currently playing. You cannot treat him how he was in, you know, 2015, 2016. You can't do that. You have to put him in the lineup, how he is currently hitting, and he's not. So we'll get to this, but now he finally got moved down the lineup today. So, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's so frustrating to watch because as much as you continue to hope that he comes around and he wakes up and, you know, he just magically one day decides that he can see the ball right and and things are all okay up top and all that good stuff, it's just not happening. And, like, literally we have, what, six games for the end of the – seven games for the end of the season? I mean – I. That would be great if he could string something together over those next few games and 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 have some sort of, you know, hit streak going into the playoffs. But like you reminded me, every time I get excited about him or Baez or Rizzo or whoever else, you get excited because they show some so, some sign of life at the plate, and then the next couple of games they just you know flatline. And it's like, you know, I don't. I don't mean to sound dramatic, but Chris Bryant is not the star player that he's been the last couple seasons. He's just not. He defensively, 
he has turned a corner. Like he looks amazing defensively. He's made some plays that we've not seen him make in past seasons. I don't love that it's at the cost of his offense because that offense has helped us tremendously in the seasons that we have been successful. So whatever it is, if he needs to go do what he needs to go do, go talk to Joe Boo or whatever, he needs to even out the, the offense defense scales here. Fine. But we just need to see that consistent Chris Bryant who can go up there and give us a good at bat, maybe get a walk at least maybe more than four pitches, three pitches. Cause I'm really tired of seeing him look so overmatched against like a 93 mile an hour fastball. Like that is scary and sad and alarming. And also, you know, it makes me rethink the stance that I took on not re-signing him. It makes me rethink that. And I hate that. I hate that because Chris Bryant is somebody that, you know, we've come to love and appreciate in a Chicago Cubs uniform. But if he's just not the star power that is producing and doing what we need him to do, then a different conversation needs to happen. Look, and I want to be really clear because my Twitter mentions are going to blow up over this. I do not think that the Cubs should non-tender Chris Bryant. I, I think that you look at this season, this shortened 2020 season, and you're kind of like, okay, it's weird. Guys lost access to video. There's a whole bunch of things that are going on. Just like, I don't think they should non-tender somebody like Javi, who's also like having a lot of struggles in this weird pandemic baseball season. So please don't come into my Twitter mentions and say that I like seriously suggested that he should be non-tendered. I'm not. I am saying that, you know, he is not the 125 to 145 WRC plus guy right now. For that matter, neither is Javi. So you cannot have those dudes in the middle of your lineup when you're trying to score runs. They're just like a, it's just like automatic outs in the middle of the lineup, right? And so I was glad to see that the lineup changed a bit today. We'll see how it goes. It looks like the lineup that David Ross is going with is Hap, then Rizzo, Contreras, Schwarber, Bryant, not loving that at 4-5. Hayward, Javi, Kipnis, and Caratini. We'll see how that goes. I, I frankly would probably move Jason Hayward and maybe Jason Kipnis too up and KB and Javi down, but who, who knows? I, maybe the shakeup will do its thing. Uh, we will talk about that and more as we preview this Pirates series, but first we need to take a quick word for our sponsors. And we're back. All right. So the Cubs get four games against a struggling, struggling Pirates team. Although, Andy, stop me if you've heard this before. Didn't this happen last season? Like the Cubs played the Cardinals and then they were supposed to go rebound in Pittsburgh and they didn't? Listen, I'm going to be... Uh, Andy? Yes. I'm going to be real clear about how I feel about this because this is not a laughing matter anymore. The Pirates are one and nine over their last 10. They have lost four in a row and they lost four of five to the St. Louis Cardinals who are now only three and a half games back behind the Chicago Cubs for first place in the central division. These I'm trying really hard not to cuss because we don't cuss on this show. Pirates better not decide that they are going to be spoilers. Now they have been losing games at a very high number for the last couple weeks. They need to continue to play that kind of baseball. Not saying they're going to roll over and die because they're not going to roll over and die. People always love playing the Cubs hard. But 
they better not decide that they're going to turn it on for these four games. Like that better not be the way to go. And if they do decide that, the Chicago Cubs are still the better team. The Chicago Cubs better figure out how to turn it on too and just beat the the, the lesser of the, of the teams here. Because it's it just, just, I'm just really like, like I, I'm going to be seething if we can't take three or four, if not four or four from this team that is struggling so mightily. Like I'm reading the probable pitchers and I don't know how much of this you looked at already, but JT Brubaker is going to the Pirates tonight. And he arguably made his best start of the season last time out is what they're saying. Um, on Wednesday, Trevor Williams, who is throwing, um, I'm sorry, Tuesday, tomorrow, Pirates pitcher Stephen Brault is coming off the best start of his career. Okay, that's fine. Let's not up that. Let's not let's not approve upon that. Like, let's leave that in the past. It was your a great start. That's fine. Congratulations. Now it's time to come back down to earth and um, pitch like you normally would be pitching. I'm just saying, if you can't tell, <laughs> I'm a little worked up about this series. I'm a little to the point of... I need the Chicago Cubs to be the better team because they are and play like the better team. That's, that's what I need. I'm not, I'm not asking for a lot. I don't think, but I, I, I am going to need the pirates to like, to, to know their role and not be the spoilers this series. (laughs) Yeah. I mean the Cubs, look, I wish I felt confident to be like, oh, yeah, the Cubs are going to go in and take at least three out of four, maybe even sweep the series, because that's what they should do. That is what the Cubs should do against this Pirates team. I mean, I'm looking at these pitchers, and um, just to clear up, so John Lester will go tonight against JT Brubacker, like Andy already said. Tomorrow is TBD against Stephen Brault, which maybe Alzale is getting a call up. I don't know. Maybe a bullpen day. Kyle Hendricks will go against Trevor Williams, and then Alec Mills will go against Chad Cool. All of these are winnable matchups, even the bullpen day. Because if y'all recall, Brault is also kind of like their bullpenny guy. These are all winnable matchups. But one of these teams is sitting in first place in the division with a rapidly shrinking lead. The other is sitting in the basement. And it just does not feel like the Cubs are going to be the team that puts their foot on the neck of the struggling team to clinch like you just knew they would a couple of years ago. I mean, they got to figure it out, man. They got to figure it out. They need to figure <laughs> it out. I felt like, you know, there's been a couple of games where they had opportunities, to, opportunities to do that, put their foot on the neck, really finish a team out and, you know, show that they're the dominant side of the, of the ball in a particular game. These, this pirates team, like you said, every one of these games, they should be able to do that. First of all, who they have throwing already gives them a great chance. I don't, TBD, I, that guy blows my mind. We'll see what happens tomorrow. But other than that, the other three guys are all guys that give you a really great chance of winning a ball game before you even go up to bat. So please, for the love of everything holy, figure it out. I mean, the Cardinals are playing a, a struggling Kansas City Royals team this week, um, and then they go back to Milwaukee. So, y'all, I mean, I am not trying to see no Devil Bird magic this season. I live with Devil Bird magic. I ain't trying to see it, okay? So let's just get it done. Make it so we have a comfortable lead going into this weekend against a very, very strong, scary White Sox team. Let's not forget about that. 
Yeah, I can't even think about the White Sox series yet because I, I we have to focus on this Pirates series first. Speaking of the Pirates, I want to talk a little bit about who's been hot on the Cubs and who's been hot on the Pirates. The bad news is that neither of these teams really have lots of hot hitters right now. Uh, the good news is that it's kind of equal. So the Cubs have Wilson Contreras, who has been slashing 273, 400, 341 over the last two weeks. And then they've got Jason Hayward, who has been slashing 242, 375, 364 over the last two weeks. Um, that's really it for guys with a WRC plus over 100. Although, as Andy noted earlier, Chris Bryant is moving in the right direction. He has WRC plus over the last two weeks of 91 and he's slashing 244, 354, 317. Please, God, let whatever hot streak Chris Bryant is going to go on in 2020 start now, because <laughs> that would be that would be great timing on your part, KB. Um, the Pirates have, again, two players who with a WRC plus over 100, although I will say their players have more impressive WRC pluses right now. That's Cabrian Hayes, who is slashing 295, 380, 545. And Josh Bell, who is slashing 333, 415, 556. And then everybody else across both teams is struggling. <sighs> I mean, goodness. It just, yeah. It would, it, it's acceptable for me for a team like the Pirates who are in the basement to be struggling at this point in the season. It is unacceptable for a team like the Chicago Cubs, who very much have a great shot of getting into playoffs as the division winner. Come on. I want to buy a new shirt. Like what? I mean, it, it just, they need to figure it out. They need to figure it out. It, it's, you know, it, the thing that bothered me the most, I think about um, the, the Minnesota series and not to rehash this again, but just hopefully it, it's different in what we see tonight is you just like the body language of the team and the lack of energy from the team, you know, and that was the last home game last night that we watched on this national stage. So you really thought like you would see a different sort of energy from them and you just did not get that. So I'm really hoping that, you know, whatever they're, whatever they're doing tonight, they figure out that they need to to come together and, and make it happen. And now is the time. I mean, they don't really, it's not like you guys have a ton to work with, you know? Um, it, it just, I, I'm not going to lie. I have a little bit of a butterfly situation happening in my stomach right now. And I don't know that it's a good butterfly situation. Oh, I feel the same. I felt the same watching the twin series. I just, the whole thing. And look, part of it might've been just because it was not a great weekend, for me at all. And so I was feeling kind of flat generally, but it just also was, yeah, you just, it, it didn't feel like there was any magic at bat coming. It didn't feel like anybody was going to work a count and get a hit or hit the ball hard or drive in the runs, or it just felt like you were not going to win. The Cubs were not going to win these games. There was nothing they were going to do that would win these games. And it was just, we all were just watching them march through 27 innings of not scoring. Yeah. And, and the, the P Pittsburgh Pirates are a team that you can have a late inning comeback on that. You can put up a very lopsided number in an inning. You can do all those things. Um, and we've seen the Cubs do it. So, you know, it, it's, it feels better, at least knowing that we're playing this team 
you know, I don't want to say it's giving us a break. I don't feel like that at all, but you feel like at least intensity wise, there's not as much pressure with playing Pittsburgh, even though, yes, it's the end of the season. You want to win all the games that you can win. You feel like there's less pressure because obviously this isn't a playoff caliber team. But at the same time, if you're going to get loose and have fun and figure out a way to win, this is a series to do it. Like this is a series to figure out how to make all that happen and, and make it work going forward because you just don't have a ton of room to play with. You don't have a whole lot of games left to, you know, to try and put stuff together and figure stuff out. So hopefully this Pittsburgh series is um, a, a, a revival of our Chicago Cubs team that we saw a few days ago. Absolutely. And so the Cubs magic number still sits at six. Part of that is the weirdness of the division, how many games the Cardinals still have left. The fact that the Cubs are only up two games in the lost column on the Cardinals. I just yeah. win. Yeah. Don't even worry about magic numbers or anything else. Just, just win the games that you have in front of you and stop thinking about what other teams are doing. I, the Cubs still control their own destiny here. I mean, they don't control their own destiny in the same driver's seat that they had when they were in the middle of a four and then five game winning streak, but they still control their own destiny here. If they can just get it together for four games against the pirates before they head to the white Sox, I do not like the idea that they could go through this entire series in Pittsburgh and still not know whether they have won the division or not going into that white Sox series. That just seems like a lot of stress and this team probably needs a breather before a playoff schedule that really has no breaks in it, right? Like one of the things we haven't talked about a ton on this show yet, because we don't like to get ahead of ourselves too much, but there are no off days in the division and championship series this year, which is crazy. I mean, well, and I think that's, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think that's partly because there will be no travel. Everybody's in a bubble, but still that's, that's a grueling schedule for a team that hasn't had an off day in a week and a half. It's also a grueling schedule for a team like the St. Louis Cardinals who haven't had a day off in like 500 games. So it, you know, playoffs, you, you, you definitely, you have to, it has to be on your radar because that's obviously the end goal here. But the same time, like you said, you just need to win games. Like that was what we should have been doing the last three days. But now it, now this is, you got to, you got to just win winnable games. And these games are all winnable games. You have to win these games. And then we can worry about the playoff picture when we get there. <laughs> all right. So that's what we've got for you. Time to win some games, Cubs. If the Cubs win games in Pittsburgh, you will hear about it here first on the next episode of Cup of Cubby Blue, where we are trying to get some special uh guest content from the White Sox, our White Sox friends for next time. So you will not want to miss that. I promise. Look, you got four games in Pittsburgh, three games against the White Sox, and then hopefully some postseason baseball in Chicago for the first time in a couple of years. Just win. Until then, you can follow me at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find Andy at BRYZ underscore Blue. You can find both of us at Cup of Cubby Blue, where we are blasting all of the content related to every episode and I'm just going to end the podcast the way Andy just ended her comments. Please just win baseball games. Thank you. Till next time.